chapter eleven of the fathers of new england by charles andrews this librivox recording is in the public domain the end of an era but the future of the new england colonies was to be decided in england and not in america if the orthodox leaders in the colony thought that the new king had levelling sympathies or would thrust aside the policy already adopted by the english authorities for the defence of the colonies and the maintenance of the acts of trade they greatly misjudged the situation king william though a protestant was no lover of revolution and though he had himself engaged in one he could assert the dignity of the prerogative with as much vigour as any stuart he was not a politician but a soldier and he was quite as likely to see the necessity of organizing new england for defence against the enemy as he was to listen favourably to appeals from massachusetts for a restoration of her charter increase mather had gone to england in sixteen hundred and eighty eight to petition james the second for relief from the burdens of the andros rule his impressive personality his power as a ready and forcible speaker his resourcefulness and energy and his acquaintance with influential men in england both anglicans and dissenters made him the most effective agent who had ever gone to england in the interest of the colony he was able to bring the grievances of massachusetts to the personal attention of james the second and he had received hope of a confirmation of land titles and permission to call a general assembly when the flight of the king brought his efforts to naught he then turned to the new parliament hoping to save the colony by means of a rider to the bill for restoring corporations to their ancient rights and privileges but the dissolution of this body ended hopeful efforts in that direction also a year's sisyphean labour came to nothing no remedy remained except an appeal to the new king and during sixteen hundred and ninety and sixteen hundred and ninety one the reconstruction of massachusetts became one of the most important questions brought before the lords of trade william the third and his advisers were agreed on one point that massachusetts should never again be independent as she formerly had been but should be brought within the immediate control of the crown through a governor of the king's appointment they took the ground that with a french war already begun it was no time to discuss colonial rights and privileges for the demands of the empire took precedence over all questions of a merely local character in america andros was now recalled and instructions were sent to massachusetts to release all her prisoners with their arrival in england in february sixteen hundred and ninety the debate before the committee went on in a new and livelier fashion randolph renewed his complaints in every form known to his inventive mind 
andros presented his defence and was relieved of all charges of maladministration mather and others contested every move of their opponents and sought to obtain as favourable terms as possible for massachusetts while oakes and cook sent over by the colony as its official agents and representing the uncompromising puritan wing hindered rather than helped the cause by insisting that no concession should be made and that massachusetts should receive a confirmation of all her former privileges mather's success was noteworthy he could not prevent the appointment of a royal governor or the separation of new hampshire from massachusetts nor could he obtain the right of coinage for the colony but he did secure the permanent annexation of maine and the plymouth colony and a large measure of appointive power and legislative control for the people in some ways most significant of all he obtained from the crown the noteworthy concession that the council of the colony should be chosen by the general assembly and not be appointed from england as was the case with all the other royal colonies even new hampshire eventually had the same governor as massachusetts thus preserving a union for all central and northern new england which was destined to last for forty-four years the charter of sixteen hundred and ninety one was a compromise between the old government which had existed in massachusetts since sixteen hundred and thirty and that of a regular royal colony and as such it satisfied neither party it was greeted in massachusetts with vehement disapproval by the old faction who charged mather with flagrantly deserting his trust and in england it was viewed as a shameful concession to the whims of the puritans this yoking together of parts of two systems corporate and royal was to give rise in massachusetts in the succeeding century to a struggle for control that deeply affected the course of the colony's later history in all the new england colonies the fall of andros and the close of the century marked the end of an era in which the dominant impulse was the religious purpose that actuated the original colonists in coming to america the desire for a political isolation that would preserve the established religious system intact was exceedingly strong in the seventeenth century but it ceased to be as strong in the century that followed the fathers gave way to the children the settlements grew rapidly in size increased their output of staple products beyond what they needed for themselves and became vastly interested in trade and commerce with all parts of the atlantic world towns grew into larger towns and cities and portsmouth newbury salem marblehead boston newport new london hartford wethersfield middletown new haven fairfield and stamford became in varying degrees centres of an increasing population and of new business interests that brought new england into closer contact with the other colonies with the west indies and with the old world england became involved in the long struggle with france and not only called on the colonies to aid her in military campaigns against the french in america but endeavoured to bring them within the scope of her colonial empire all these influences tended to expand the life of new england and to force its people more and more out of their isolation 
yet despite this fact the puritan colonies connecticut and rhode island especially continued to lie in large part outside the pale of british control and example and their inhabitants continued to accept religion and the puritan standards of morals as the guide of their daily lives in of section eleven end of the fathers of new england by charles andrews